is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 231, Flying Adventures, the NASA Shuttle Landing Strip, and more coming up next in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Rosleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Well, folks, welcome to the show about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. You know, some of you are patiently waiting the spring weather to get to the plane and pull it out of the hangar and start flying again. Some fly their planes south with other snowbirds and have some really interesting adventures to discuss. Today, we want to focus on some of our recent flying adventures, including one where Tom and I flew a trip down the runway at NASA's shuttle landing facility. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about flying adventures and try to inspire you guys to get out there and start flying. Dude, those little adventures, they are the best. And I tell you what, I got my plane back from annual. I've been having so much fun uh, with those adventures. I just wanted to share some of those with you. But uh, first, let's introduce our co-host. I know, Victoria, you are here with us this evening, and we are very excited to hear about your flying adventures. How's things going, Victoria? Things are wonderful. I haven't been flying recently, though, only once this year. So oh. I'm, I'm getting the shakes from withdrawal. Yeah, but it's a sure, it's it's only the beginning of February, so that's not too bad. It's not too bad. So we're going we're gonna to look forward to you getting up there again and getting some of those really cool pictures that we've gotten used to on, on Instagram. So Yay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, joining us also is Russ. There's Lesky. Hey, Russ, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going great, Carl. Uh, we got snow today here in oklahoma about three or four inches or so so oh, of course you know it's not much snow for a lot of other people but around here it's a big deal so schools got canceled and the whole thing kids had a great time but a couple days ago it was 75 degrees and beautiful so it's just the way it is around here wow so we're going to be interested to hear your perspective on the whole getting out and flying this time of year and i can't wait to hear that as, as much as we can as i was going to say you try to get out as often as you can if you can't you hang out at the airport and watch airplanes fly uh or, or at least talk about flying that's for sure also joining us this evening is tom frick tom hey uh welcome to uh sunny northern florida hey carl How's it going? Pretty good, pretty yeah, good. Yeah, weather's a little better here. It, it's it's not been bad. It's been eh, fairly mild this winter, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what that uh any snow. Uh, it does prevent them to go going flying, but now without having to worry about de-icing the wings and stuff, a uh, few people have been up, so the warm weather has helped them a little bit. Um, also joining us this evening and hasn't been on for a, a few episodes is Bill English. Hey, Bill, how's it going, man? Hey, pretty good, pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm having a pretty decent winter here in Virginia. Um, well, we haven't seen hardly any snow either. And, uh, and of course, part-time down in there in sun- sunny Florida near you. Yeah, and uh, we have a little adventure to talk about, as a matter of fact. Uh, but uh, a couple things before we get started. Uh, some uh, announcements and uh, also, right now, a quick word from our sponsor. 
Do you want to pursue a career in aviation as a pilot, air traffic controller, mechanic, or dispatcher? Or do you just want to earn that commercial or instrument rating, but you need help paying for it? The Aerospace Scholarships Guide at AviationCareersPodcast.com has over $50 million in available scholarships. Many of these go unused because people don't apply for them. For just $10, you'll receive a full-year subscription to the guide, which is updated monthly. Every scholarship is personally verified to make sure it's accurate and still available. More information is at AviationCareersPodcast.com. And don't forget to visit the sponsor, AviationCareersPodcast.com, for scholarships, uh, career coaching, and interview prep. Uh, that scholarships guide, by the way, is good for everybody, and there's more and more being placed in there. Even people that want to further their ratings, do some aerobatic training, etc. Uh, by the way, the most recent update to that scholarships guide, there's 60 new ones and three updates, so go check that out. Also, another thing, if you want to become a patron of the podcast, you can do that. Uh, the hit, click on the Patreon account in the top right screen. Uh, what we do is every, every $10 we get, uh, through donations, we actually put out there a thing called a pay it forward coupon for people to actually get a free scholarships guide. So it's actually going directly to helping somebody actually move forward in the career or also move forward in their flying. Uh, news and announcements. We have our next live event is going to be at the Sun and Fun Aerospace Expo, March 31st through April 5th. And of course, uh, we're always out there doing interviews. If you listen to liveatc.net slash SNF, you're bound to hear uh, somebody here at, uh, at the Stuck Mike Avcast announcing live or doing interviews at Sun and Fun. It's so much fun. I know you've seen us out there in the field more and more. We're going to try to do some more of that coming forward. Also, uh, we're going to start trying to put out some more videos uh, on the YouTube channel. We've had, I've had a couple of challenges here uh, lately just trying to get things going, but we're, we're actually moving forward with that, which I'm very excited about. Well, uh, as far as oh, other announcements too. We, I'm, uh, and this is going to be further in the future. Uh, there's a thing called the Sentimental Journey. Uh, it's this. Uh, it's a fly-in in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, and uh, Piper Aircraft is up there, and they have the Piper Aircraft Museum is up there, and they have this really neat moving exhibit, but also a permanent exhibit there. And I've been invited. I'll be the keynote uh, speaker actually at this event uh, this year. Interestingly, uh, have a little bit of history on Piper Aircraft in Lakeland, Florida. And a little-known fact, a lot of people don't realize Piper actually was trying to make an airliner at one point right here in Lakeland. So we'll talk a little bit about that in the future. If you want to hear more about that, uh, we're actually putting a whole history of Lakeland and also the the uh, Piper facility. It uh, turned into not just airlines. Well, it didn't actually happen, but they tried to make it an airliner, but they turned it into some other things uh, that you've probably heard of, the Cheyenne and also the Navajo line, and a lot of the training was done here. Uh, some really, really cool facts about Piper and their move from Lock Haven to Florida to Vero. Uh, so it's really absolutely fascinating. Um, but I can't wait to do that. Sentimental Journey in Lock Haven. Hope to see you there. Little small, intimate little air show, which is going to be a lot of fun. Much different than the Oshkosh and, uh, and also Sun and Fun. Now entering cruise flight. You know, one thing I want to do in this podcast here is talk a lot about, about our flying adventures. And Something that I've done recently that's got me really excited is the fact that I've been able to get an airplane, I lease it, and it's a Piper Cherokee. But I've also been going up in other people's airplanes and having a lot of fun and going on these little small flying adventures. And I'm realizing that 
I, I've kind of gotten a, away from some of the fun part of aviation in years past, and it's the little things that make me so excited about getting up in the airplane, whether it's just going to see a sunset or experiencing something new. And I really focused this past year and am focusing forward on true flying adventures. And that could be, like I said, something small, just going up and seeing the sunset and, and or something you know, maybe really interesting, like flying down the, the shuttle landing facility. We'll talk a little bit about that. But I want you to think during this episode, you know, what flying adventures are you planning this year? Or what can you think of as we start adding to our list and we start talking about those? I really like to inspire you all to get out there and, and, and do something in an airplane, something a lot of fun. But first, um, our, and we're going to kick it off with uh, both Tom and I talking about uh, something that I think Tom had brought up to me months and months ago. It may even been a year ago, uh, Tom, about flying to the shuttle landing facility. And I had forgotten. I'd done that so many times with my students. I uh, hadn't done it maybe in 15 or so years. Wasn't even sure how to do that. But it was actually uh, it was pretty cool. So uh, Tom and I were going to go up and my Cherokee, but I had a problem with a fuel leak, and so we couldn't take the aircraft, and so we had a, and I think it was uh, also the exhaust leak. We had, I had a couple of really things go wrong right before the annual, so Tom actually was able to get a, uh, a Piper Arrow and rent the Arrow out of Clearwater, came over here to Lakeland, and then we headed over to, uh, to the coast. So Tom, uh, just a, a little bit of background there, but you know, I remember just kind of flying with you down the runway, and it was really, really cool, just the smile on your face, not just the flight over there, but the smile on your face when you actually got to see the shuttle. Uh, it was just absolutely cool. And, uh, Tom, I was just wondering, you know, what I, I know what I felt like. I was feeling like a little kid again, but uh, what were your feelings as you were going down that runway? Oh, it was awesome. You know, I mean, and... That was my first time to do it. I'd, I'd seen videos before, and I've had other friends that have done that flight. But you're right. You and I talked about it more than once, and uh, I think I, I left it on the end of a podcast one time as a, as a challenge that we need to get this done. So we got it done. Challenge accepted and, and completed, and it was, it was just awesome. The whole process of going over and you know flying into a facility like that that you would probably think that like oh i'm gonna like stay away from that and avoid it like the plague and they were actually very very welcoming you know and that was the awesome part about it too it was like you know y'all come on over have fun you know um and we both both were smiling like little kids ear to ear <laughs> and you know we the, i think the fun part was talking to the controller in the tower and you know you know we we took the chance we said Hey, can we do a touch and go? And he said, <laughs> "Yes, but you'll be here a while, and you'll need some other vehicles to get your plane out of here." You know, and that was kind of funny having a little banter along with the controller like that. But they were they were very welcoming, and the facility itself is just awesome. I mean, lining up with a you know a Piper Arrow on a fifteen thousand foot long runway was just you know I mean that's that's a big piece of concrete and it was just very cool to to get in the pattern and get on down what do we get down to about uh, 200 feet I think you let us get down to yeah he said no lower than 100 yeah yeah that was cool yeah it was it was very cool and you know I mean I was uh I was grinning ear to ear as I was taking pictures and um you know we were just looking around I mean it's a to, to have a 
actual shuttle sitting on the ground in the middle of that thing. Um, there's a control tower in the middle, and they have a shuttle on the ground, and you get to fly by that. You can see the vehicle assembly building off in the distance, and it's uh, you know just a massive, massive building. You know, I mean, it sticks out. It's it's unmistakable. And uh, the cool part is, is I actually left town uh, um, less than a week after you and I flew together, and I was actually at NASA. So I have a picture of the um, you know the uh, the vehicle assembly building from the air, from over the um, uh, shuttle landing facility, and then I have another one just driving by it in the tour bus. So, um, you know, and then the launch pads as well. You could see launch pad A and B um, clear as a bell from from over the landing facility. And, um, you know, you can just pick out all the different pieces. I've been to been Nassau many, many times because I've lived in Florida my whole life. So um, it's a pretty close destination to, to go in and go for the tours and all that stuff and to see all that stuff from the sky and that perspective was just you know that very cool and i thank you carl for for uh you know joining me in that oh dude that was awesome i mean i i i appreciate your you're actually asking me to go along and share that time I mean, it, it's and, and that's kind of what this whole aviation thing is about is just sharing those special moments with your friends in the air and you know, there was a lot to that adventure. I mean, we, we just talked about the shuttle facility, but if we back up, we remember taking off out of Lakeland, the control tower in Lakeland actually used to work the shuttle facility. And we said we were going over there, and he said, oh, hey, here, let me hand you off to Orlando approach. And uh, and, and do you remember what, what we flew over on the way there? Yeah. <laughs> Yep, we went right over Epcot, and right over the center of Epcot Center and Disney World, yeah. and that controller out of, of Lakeland, do you remember? I mean, he used to work there, so when we told him where we were going, he, he blurted out the entire clearance for going over that shuttle landing facility, headings and everything, and he says... Sorry, guys, I had to do it. It's been so long, but I, says, I used to do that all day long. <laughs> that was really cool. And, and, uh, he was, that was cool, too. You know, what, what was interesting is I just finished work the day before. And remember what happened? We flew right over where I work at Orlando International Airport, right over uh, the terminal where I go out of for work. It was kind of funny because I looked at you and said, hey, you know, here I go up in the little airplane to get away from work, and I'm right over work right now. But it was a much different perspective. Not often do I get to fly right over the center of Orlando International Airport, which is so cool. I took some pictures. I showed guys at work and gals at work, and they're like, wow, that's really cool. I haven't really seen it from that perspective because if you think about it, we never get to see it right over the terminal building, and that's what we got to fly over. So uh, what was – I have to say another really cool thing about – I was telling people about this, and I said to them, I said, you know, I felt like such a little kid, and I looked at – that the picture of the two of us and I and it kind of brought me down a little bit because I see these two old guys in this picture and I'm like oh man I but I, I I was envisioning myself as a teenager at that point you know in my in the beginning of my flying career and stuff like that and because uh, it, it kind of brought me back to that excitement of actually the flying adventure so that that was the one of the really cool things about uh, you're kind of bringing that forward and that's kind of like what we want to do today uh, but on that on that shuttle facility sure. I it just one of the things that I know I know they had these lines painted closer in because I know the fighters used to land there so that they could actually have a better perspective because it's so wide uh, they paint these lines uh, so they can actually flare just like it's almost like being on glassy water but there's so many 
cool things about that whole facility that I don't really know much about. Um, and there's there's some really neat things that I guess you learned when you were walking around there on the tours and stuff like that. Uh, that vehicle assembly building was huge, uh, and they're still are, they're still using that, right, Tom? When you went for a tour, um, I believe so. I believe they still use it. Um, they they use it as a. I was reading on one of the websites before we flew. Um, they use it for landing different test aircraft, but they also use it for like race cars and tests and cars and stuff because it's such a long, you know, it's three miles long. So they got plenty of room to get up to speed and then slow back down again. And there's some type of uh, vehicle Tesla. testing that they do out there as well. Tesla yeah, runs the track. There. They have an that agreement with NASA. Exactly yeah. Uh, sure. Yep. That's one of them. And then they're, they, yeah. So they, um, they use it for several different things. You know, Victoria, you go out there quite a bit. I know you're a lot, quite a, a fan of NASA. And, uh, you know, what other kind of cool facts uh, are there maybe you know about about the, the runway or the f- facilities there? Yeah, I've never flown over it myself, but I've actually been blessed enough to be in the tower and to have walked on the runway. Um, and they mark off the last wheel stop from every shuttle that has landed and retired um, so that's kind of cool. We went and saw the very last shuttle that landed and where the wheels stopped. They marked it, and they took a part of the um, concrete out and have that in the museum. But uh, what was really interesting to me is it's such a long, you said, three-mile runway. And it they wanted it be, to be perfectly level for the shuttle's landing. And there is only a quarter-inch difference from the beginning to the end of the runway. Wow. That's how level this runway is. Dang. That, yeah, that took a little while. Over three that's miles. Oof, yeah, that's amazing. Um, but, you know, it's a testament to, you know, their engineering at, at NASA. And uh, and also, that I love the fact that you just told us that where they marked it off. I didn't get to see those markings. We were trying to go really slow. I We put the gear down flaps to slow down. But uh, They're hard where do to they see put them? We've been driving by them. Oh. Like driving by, you kind of really got to look for them. There's little markers on the side of the runway that kind of give you a clue to you're being close. But we passed it the first time, so... So if you're going flying there, you know, don't try to look too hard. You're not going to probably see them then, is no, what you're saying. No. <laughs> but It's uh, like spray painted and circled. It's, uh, it's not bright. <laughs> interesting, interesting. See, and this is the cool thing about doing these things because, you, like, for instance, I didn't know that, and now I'm learning so much by going over there. And, and what was really neat, too, I, I obviously I fly for the airlines, and when I'm telling people about this adventure, they're like, man, that's so cool. I remember doing that with my students. And uh, it's really neat to inspire people that are, you know, rusty single engine pilots that are like, gosh, you know, I think I want to get back into that. And really what's been cool, just the past few months of doing all these adventures, I've inspired a couple airline pilots to get out there and and do some flying in some small planes. So that's awesome. Um, You know, Tom and and I, another thing we did, and this was really cool, something else I've been wanting to do is go to DeLand because that restaurant there, gosh, I can't remember the name of it. It's like a... It's like a little bar and restaurant right on the runway. That was awesome. And it, it was like, again, it brought me back to what I used to do all the time in an airplane is go hang out, have a little bite to eat, and uh, do that $100 hamburger flying. Uh, so I just you know kind of appreciate that quite a bit. And I know some of you that are, are listening to this saying, gosh, that's something I do all the time. Well, you know, don't forget how exciting that is and and how blessed you are to be able to have that and have that opportunity to go out there and do that type of flying. So uh, so another thing, too, is 
Um, and I, I'd love to hear some feedback from listeners, you know, uh, stuckmikeavcast at uh, gmail.com. You know, how do you find out about your $100 hamburgers? I know there's a lot of different, and I'll put this out to some of the co-hosts, there's a lot of different ways to figure that out. What I do personally is I go out to Google Maps and I, I click on restaurants and I'll find the restaurants on the field. Um, but uh, I'll put this out to you guys. Do you, you know, what do you guys do like to find out if there's a restaurant on the field, et cetera? Do you use like Google Maps or, or do you have other things, other websites that you go to? Well, I'd say for me, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of it comes down to it's, you know, it's things like Facebook groups and such, you know, where there's, you know, you know, all Oklahoma aviators or something like that. And they, you know, if you ask, hey, is a restaurant on the field of such and such? Of course, somebody knows and somebody's been there. And so I find that this, the, the personal act- interaction is really good because sometimes, you know, you go on Google and, well, the restaurant's been closed for, for you know, a, a year or or they're only open during the weekdays for lunch or, you know, something like that. So so I, just, I find that the, you know, getting the actual recommendations is really useful on, on things like this. There's that other website, Fun Places right. to Fly. Uh, I, I tried using that sometimes. They and it could be just me, but sometimes I don't. I don't find all the restaurants on there, but I could be wrong. Maybe I'm just searching improperly. Uh, but is that what you use, Tom? Um, actually, uh, what I use is AirNav, and AirNav is you know usually reliable as far as because um, they have a comment section there. People write stuff in there all the time, and it's usually a good place to find like the the little idiosyncrasies of a restaurant that that uh, russ was just talking about like you and i just flew down we just did uh what was it um sebring, sebring you know yeah and you know when when we got there we found out i mean great restaurant that had great burgers but um you know they're only open till two o'clock you know so that's something you'd want to know beforehand like if you're leaving for a late lunch and then you show up and places closed up that would be a problem you know because and- especially for me i get hangry right <laughs> i get hangry too <laughs> Yeah. Angry and flying yeah, is no. not a good mix. <laughs> no, so I always carry food with me just for sake, because I've had that happen before where I've showed up to, like, you know, hungry and, and we're ready to go eat and then, you know, find out that the restaurant closes early. But, um, yeah, AirNav is, has usually been a good good resource for me as far as finding restaurants. And like Russ was saying, word of mouth is always the best. You know, you talk to other pilots and like, oh, yeah, you got to go up here and check out. They got great omelets. So go over here. It's good. Like, and do you remember what was the, the different, um, thing on the menu that we had at the land? Remember what I had? The, the fried oh, bologna yeah. sliders. Fried bologna sliders. Oh, that yeah, was healthy. Oh, yeah. They were amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were amazing. Yeah. They were amazing. So, so bad for us. But they, you know, we had to redo the bit rate weight and balance it after that. So, um, but. Yeah, it was kind of cool, too, pulling up in the Arrow. Remember the, the guys when they fueled us said, hey, we haven't seen an Arrow around here or something like that for a while, so that was kind of cool. Uh, they thought that was neat. So that There's all these little exciting things that happened during these adventures that, that we didn't even go into. Like, for instance, the museum. We didn't get to go see that, the, the Naval Aviation Museum that's on the field there. They have, like, a an F-14 there. And, you know, there, there are so many things that you can do just by finding these places. And now another cool thing with Uber, you can go to a lot of these places. Uber doesn't work in some spots, I know, uh, especially far out. But uh, but the little things about about this, and that's where I really haven't come up with this great resource about going to these places for the hundred dollar hamburger. Things like remember Tom, what I kept bragging about about Sebring was the fact that they had these great. 
pancakes. I love blueberry pancakes. And when we got there, they just stopped serving breakfast. <laughs> and I'm like, no more blueberry pancakes. So those are the little things that, that I, I kind of wish it was a, a resource I could go to all the time. But I think AirNav, like you said, is a good idea. And, uh, of course, you know Google and all those type of things. So, again, there is the book about the $100 hamburger and just kind of want to find out more of those kind of things. But that was, that was really, really cool. Um, you know, the other thing that I think is really awesome, and it kind of moves, segues into what Bill and I did. Uh, Bill and I went on a flight, but before that, my nephew, I let him use my airplane so that he can actually build flight time because he's trying to move on to the airlines and stuff like that. So he went up to get night current and watch the sunset and then go get night current. And during that process, uh, the lights went out in the airplane, uh, the, the interior lights. And uh, he was trying to figure out what was going on. And uh, I had someone else, actually, I think was going to go fly. And turns out the situation hadn't been resolved. Uh, and then Bill and I went flying. And what's kind of interesting, and we'll talk a well, little we went, bit about that. We went taxiing. Well, then we, <laughs> we first we went taxiing. It was the, and, and, and if you remember, Bill, the one thing that, that really, and I'm really kicking myself for this, and we'll talk a little. Bill and I decided to do an adventure. We wanted to go out flying. Uh, I wanted to show Bill the airplane. So we went out, did some steep turns and stalls and stuff like that. But uh, And then we were going to go get something to eat. And I wanted to go to... I wanted to go to either Winter Haven or I wanted to go to Bartow. Now, if you know where Lakeland and Bartow and Winter Haven are, that's not very far. But there's, there's, and I thought, I felt almost guilty about asking him to do that because it's so close. But that's, but that's cool. It, it doesn't have to be a long flight, does it, to have a fun flight? We can go out and, you know, putz around the sky, do some, you know, steep turns and stalls and head on over there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we had a great time, you know, just kind of learning that airplane. As we, you know, we were talking before, it's older, it's a little different. You know, you think, ah, Cherokee's so uh, uh, run-of-the-mill, but not, you know, that one's kind of old. A lot of cool things to learn about and everything, and then off we go for the breakfast. But before we <laughs> before we got there, the long taxi, oh, um, and moving moving back to the pre-flight, because I wanted Bill to do the pre-flight, because in case I, I let him use the airplane, because I have what's called the you know an open pilot policy where I can actually loan the airplane to somebody else. I've I've had that on a lot of the different airplanes that I've owned. As a matter of fact, my insurance agent's on right now, Victoria, and. Uh, I think some people don't realize you can do that. You can actually just loan the airplane to somebody who has a, you know, there's some stipulations like it has to be a private pilot or something like that, or, or maybe a certain number of hours, depending if it's a retractable, that type of thing. But um, but before we went, Bill said something to me, and this is, this kind of, here's a learning experience for us. Bill said to me, oh, you know, something about the fuel gauges, uh, that they weren't reading that well. Well, I, in my mind, uh, it was predisposed to knowing that the fuel gauges read really high all, all the time, and uh, they're not overly accurate. So I thought that's kind of what he was talking about. But uh, the bill that really it wasn't that, was it? No. And then it was kind of a cool morning, and as we were taxiing out, we were noticing the oil temperature. We kind of looked at it and was like, oil temperature is really low. Well, it's really cool, and we just started, so. All right, no, don't think anything of it. Well, what is it at uh, Lakeland with all the construction? Uh, about a week and a half later, we made it from the ramp out to the to runway. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe, that might be a little exaggeration. Maybe a little. So, so we get out there, get ready to do the uh, the run up. We look at the oil temperature, and it's it's still on the bottom peg. And we both look at each other like, oh god, that's not right. 
that's not right. Well, let's run it up. Let's see. Maybe it'll come off the peg. No, it's not moving. Then the fuel gauges weren't moving, and they were just sitting there. And so we just kind of had right? to sigh. Yeah, now they were, sitting, they were just sitting on empty. The oil temp was sitting on zero. I'm like, well, we can't do this. So after this very long taxi, you know, then uh, said, all right, well, we got to have to check this out. Because as you were mentioning before, you know, we, we had this was a little, um, you know, the airplane probably had a lot of changes over the years. So we're like, well, uh, we probably just have a fuse problem. But, of course, the fuses were, where were those now? Way in the back. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... In the plastic tub, all the way in the back yeah, of the cargo bin. Yeah, so you know, I mean, and it was a minor thing, right? I, I, that's all we had to do: swap a fuse. Everything behaved, and we were fine. But yeah, even these these fun little flights, right? I just uh, we were talking about it as a uh, little learning up, ep- uh, little learning episode for uh, you know just safety. I mean, just a minor little thing like that. We you kind of know what it is, and you're so tempted to just say, "Oh, we made this long taxi and everything." You just want to go anyway. So it's a really good lesson is, you know, don't do that. And then once we did, went back and swapped the fuses again, you get that kind of little voice in the back of your head that makes you want to rush and, and rush through things. And, you know, I guess the two of us together, we sat and looked at it and it's like, nope, nope, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Take our time. And it worked out great. You know, we, we spent a little more time driving around on the airport than, than we needed to. But we did it right. We did it safe and still had a, a great day. It was a beautiful day. Um, you know, ring out the airplane and, uh, and head out. So, so, you know, safe flying is fun flying. It is. And, and I think you mentioned this, Bill. I mean, the two of us kind of looked at each other. It was, it was kind of unsaid, like, you know, yeah, we know what the problem is. We know there's enough fuel in the tanks. Well, yeah. But – and – Honestly, I, I mean, for me, I was like, no, we're, we're definitely not going. We're going back. Yeah. And sometimes it runs in your head, you know, gosh, I, I spent all this money getting out here. I'm going to have to taxi all the way back. I'm going to have to taxi all the way back down to the runway after I fix this. Um, and if you remember when we were pulling out, the guy's like, are you sure you fixed your problem? The, the <laughs> ground control is like, yes, yes, we're fine because we were down there for such a long time. But, uh, but you know, it's it's worth the money to go back. I mean, uh, luckily on a, uh, an owned aircraft, you know, it's tack time isn't doesn't t- tick off that much when you're taxing. But um, but if it was Hobbs time, yeah, I mean, I, you can imagine that going through your head with a rental aircraft, and, and you have to say, hey, listen, maybe I'll, I'll get a credit for that. Um, but what was really I thought was cool is the fact that you know going out there just doing some of the maneuvers, getting used to the airplane, and the fact that uh, you know everybody is kind of does the same thing wrong as far as when you're starting the plane and that kind of thing uh, because the switches are in different spots. But when when we decided, if you remember, this whole flying adventure was to Winter Haven, we said, okay, we had this plan, and then what happened? I kind of changed it a little, didn't I? Yeah, well, yeah that, I thought you were just testing me on a diversion. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, wait, yeah, I, I don't remember what we did. We just finished some stalls and everything. So it's like, you know, okay, well, let's head over that way and go to Bartow. Okay, I guess we're going to Bartow now. No, that was that was called a senior moment, actually, is what that really was, to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> But hey, they, and it worked. That was a that was a great find. That uh, oh, that restaurant, yeah. the little museum in there, that was very cool. Yeah, and, and Bartow is uh, it's a it oh so um, you know Bill's really into you know describing and trying to figure out how planes have crashed. So one of the things that's in the museum is uh, this wreck they pulled out of the water, and of course Bill starts going into this whole thing about how the engine was uh, still, I guess, running, uh, but it wasn't running when it crashed or something like that, and you knew that by the bend of the prop or something like that. So. 
yeah, I mean, it's, it's a museum. It's supposed to be educational. Yeah, huh? so I'm sitting there listening to all this. <laughs> okay, thanks, Bill. <laughs> but that was, that was really, really cool. The other thing that was neat about that, remember the interactions with the people in the rest and them telling us, you know, oh, hey, yeah. come back. They had a bar there, too. Obviously, we, we couldn't partake, but they uh, they have, you know, different night things at night and stuff like that. And one of the things that keeps going through my brain at all these different $100 hamburgers is how these people survive. And I really think the way that these restaurants can survive is to, you know, go out to the locals. And I think that's what they're trying to do is is make it someplace where locals will come. Yeah. But but it was really neat. Uh, do you remember the name of the restaurant? It's the whatever. Uh, but anyway, I'll try to figure this out real quick. Yeah. So I, so I in Bar totally in Bartow, if you get a chance, though. go check it out. The people are really friendly. I got to see and another really cool thing. Uh, one of uh, my uh, students, our former students at Polk State College, was actually working behind the desk there. She'd been working there for a couple of years, Caitlin, and she did a was doing a great job. And I just had a it was just just wonderful to catch up with people. And you always wind up finding other really you know inspiring aviators when you run into the in, at these airports. And you remember. The one guy we met there was a B fifty two pilot, and yeah, oh, yeah, and he started yeah, talking about you know how you know that one guy ejected out the the tail gunner, <laughs> yeah, so out the tail, yeah, his 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 exactly. last exactly that was his very last one because he accidentally went out the back. I guess it was during a drill, and it really turned into a real evacuation by accident by the tail gunner. But those are the kind of things you get to experience when you get out there doing these flying adventures and and seeing people that you know, but also learning really cool new things. And, and just these really serendipitous type of uh, journeys into these airports and finding these really amazing different people and things that are out there. But I thought that was that was really awesome. I, I had a blast. And, Bill, we got to do it again. we got to go find another airport. Maybe Winter Haven. That's all of where... <laughs> Well, we, yeah, we never did make it to Winter Haven. Oh, we got to go find a crab shack next. Uh, yeah. brunch. Let's go find a crab shack. And it Run, runways. runways. That's the runways. name of the place. That's Barto, right. Um, but we could, and we can go on and on. That's the other cool thing about Florida. And I know there's other places in the country like this where there's bunches of airports uh, that you can fly into and have have a great time. And just uh, either driving there and watching the airplanes, or you can hang out. Uh, at flying in and what was really cool when you look at this, the reviews on some of these things is the, the locals that come in there say hey this is a really cool air, airport cafe or restaurant where you can hang out and watch airplanes take off and land and and I love the descriptions by people that don't fly and I love the fact that they get excited about being there and uh, as a matter of fact going back to Sebring I got to see somebody from our friends over at Bristel and somebody we had uh, interviewed over at uh, Deland and at the showcase case and it's it's those interactions that are absolutely awesome plus when you're doing these adventures the other thing i suggest and and this was what was so cool about ours is the fact that you just relax and you have fun uh and sometimes we i think we all get caught up too much in trying to get the next rating and doing uh the next thing in our career or whatever it may be you know you're always trying to strive for the next thing maybe the next thing is just to go to an airport and and hang out and watch airplanes and interact that that's for sure but um you know we could talk on and on about some of these adventures but i know bill when you were and, and you didn't really go into much detail you had like a, a pretty cool adventure with your wife, or shall I say, your future wife at the time, uh, when you were dating up in the New Hampshire area. So uh, tell us a little bit about that adventure. Well, first I have to come off mute, uh, but 
So, yeah, again, airport restaurant. Um, I'll make it quick. When uh, my wife and I first met, I was uh, we lived up in New England, and I was in a club with uh, actually an archer, Cherokee, and she was not you know familiar with general aviation. It was a nice weekend, and I said, oh, what do you want to do? I said, well, let's go to Nantucket. And, of course, she scoffed at that. It's just like, well, that's ridiculous. We sit in traffic for hours and get on the stinky ferry boat and everything, and it kind of um, – you know, discounting that. I said, oh, watch and learn. And about an hour and 15 minutes later, we were in Nantucket having oyster rolls. And that worked out pretty good because so we're still married. So she stuck around just because of the oyster rolls and the quick flight? Yeah, I think so. I had to fly her to a wine festival once, too. She liked that one, too. So, yeah, she's <laughs> sticking really around. Cool. And you, you know, this brings yeah. up a good point. Uh, I think you and I talked about this, and I hopefully isn't too uncomfortable of a conversation, but sometimes, um, you know, your spouse really isn't into flying. Your partner's not into flying too much, like mine isn't. And I, but I find I have a lot of friends I can go with, like Bill and Tom and, and Russ and all, and Victoria, all these people that I can actually go up in an airplane with and share that. It seems, and I'd like to hear your feedback on this, Bill, especially, that our, you know, our partners, our spouses are really like to see us go have fun. And even if they can't enjoy that, that whatever recreational activity, in our case, it's flying an airplane, they love to see us go out and do it. And, um, you know, I, I know that, you know, my wife actually seen my airplane once uh, and that was enough. She thought it was cool uh, to see it, but she was really not interested in, in going up in it. But kind of interested in, in your situation, Bill, as far as, you know, your wife, is, are you going to be taking her flying or is she kind of okay with just kind of hearing about your adventures? Well, well, for us, kind of a little of both. I mean, I know she enjoys it. It's not necessarily her thing, but likes it. And, and you know, it's uh, it's nice, too, if you can get involved in, in the whole lifestyle. Like you're talking about the adventures and then just the camaraderie around around the airport and the lifestyle, too. That helps, uh, you know, kind of bring somebody in where it's not just about the machine. And I think that... Um, that's definitely something that brings a family in as well. So for us, it's, uh, it's so probably I a think little both. One of the things, I know, Bill, your wife likes to golf. One of the things I, that could probably make it palatable is to say, hey, we can go golf. Uh, well, we can go see Carl. And the airport's 10 minutes away. You can go golfing with Carl. And uh, I don't golf, but I can, I can drive the cart. Um, but <laughs> you don't want to see me golf. The, and it's it's really one of those things that I think can be a struggle for many of us. And I'd love to hear from, from listeners as far as, you know, what do you do? You have a spouse, a partner, whomever uh, that really isn't interested in flying at all. You know, how do you kind of roll them into your lifestyle and how do you discuss all that? Because, for instance, like when I'm talking about flying with my wife, I never mention really, the except for the sunsets. I'll mention the sunsets and the nice things I got to see. But it's more like the experience and the destinations. And for her to be like, hey, you know, we can get to Hilton Head in two hours as opposed to driving like six hours or whatever it takes to get out there. Uh, some places are so much easier to get to by like that kind of a direct route. Uh, so it's it's one of those things that I, I know I struggle with, and sometimes, uh, you know, it's not like I've given up, but I know that if I'm going to get my spouse involved in aviation, it's going to have to be in an airplane that has a parachute, two engines, and an air conditioner, you know, so, uh, or the 
just a parachute alone and a single engine. So I already know those things. So those are kind of like the little barriers to getting people involved. Um, but but what, the, what is really cool is that she lets me go out and, and do those things. And uh, for those that have an airplane that own one, I mean, like today, I kind of went to my happy place. I was in the airplane, you know, putting new labels on some of the things because it is such an old airplane, like the carb heat, putting a new label on there because it was kind of wearing off, that kind of thing. And it's very, very therapeutic sometimes just to wash and wax. I learned about, you know, we tried take some rust off the airplane today and those are kind of neat little things about that whole that lifestyle of flying um, but uh, but getting back to the whole adventure thing I think that's really something that, to make it palatable for our spouses and I know uh, Russ you actually you have a child that's actually named after an airplane I know that um, but uh, I was kind of curious before I know you have a really cool story to talk about as far as your your adventure um, how about your family does your family uh, get involved in aviation or is, there, is it more kind of your your thing that your release or your recreational activity it is really more my thing. <laughs> my my wife is happy to go if there's somewhere to go, uh, somewhere to get to. But the whole you know the actual process of getting there, the flying and all that, that's not really for her. Uh, my daughter, whose name is Piper, like you alluded to, yes, um, she actually came up to me. She's flown with me, you know, just you know since she was you know a little baby, you know, in the back seat, and then she graduated up to the front seat, and then um, but. You know, we hadn't flown in a while, and then uh, just a couple months ago, she said, "Hey, Dad, can we go flying again?" Well, I, I don't have an airplane anymore, but I know some people that have them, and and uh, they're they're very uh, generous in letting me borrow them from time to time. So I said, "Sure," and we went up, and and she flew the whole way. I considered it her first real lesson, you know, from her sitting in the left seat, and we had a great time. It was it was it was a lot of fun, you know, dad and daughter, and just. You know, we flew to, you know, like you were talking about, we flew to a pancake breakfast, you know, at the local place and uh, hung out, looked at airplanes for a little while and flew back. Just just a wonderful So time. really that whole part of going out to breakfast seems like a common theme here and, and going to, to have some food. It's kind of like going out uh, locally to a restaurant, except you're using the, the vehicle being the, the airplane. You're enjoying the flying. They get to enjoy the, the actual destination and that type of thing. Um, but. Uh, Rush, you actually had uh, a really cool story you related before, just a little, you know, intro. So tell us a little bit about some of your kind of adventure flying you've done recently. Well, here in Oklahoma, we, you know, I, I think it's a great place to live for many reasons, but we, it's not the most scenic place to fly over, admittedly. Uh, we don't have any amazing terrain or anything like that that you can see from the air. Lots of neat stuff to see when you're on the ground, maybe, but not really from the air. So um, I did all my initial flight training, my primary training up in Colorado, and I love flying in the mountains. So a couple times a year, usually how it seems to work out, I'll go up there with someone who'll be, you know, client, and I'll run a little kind of mountain flying training course and uh, – and it's it's just amazing. I mean, you fly from here, and we'll usually go to Colorado Springs, kind of, you know, stay overnight one night there, and then head off west and land at Leadville or you know Aspen or anywhere that we we want to go to kind of fit in with with what they want to do. But just you know, flying, you know, it's flat, flat, flat as you're headed west, and then all of a sudden, out in the distance, you can see Pikes Peak. And then everything starts to open up. The world just opens up and you get, you know, all this terrain and mountains and, you know, snow and, and everything. It's just, it's just really amazing. And some people that I've flown with, you know, out of you know, Oklahoma city <laughs> have never flown, 
uh, into mountains like this before ever. So it's it's very eye opening and it's and it's neat to see. And some of the, not only the sites, but just the airports you go to, like, I mean, like I said, like Leadville, you know, the highest airport in North America, just, just amazing to go in there. You get, you go in the FBO, you get your certificate, you know, they prove you were there and, uh, and just a whole lot of fun. I, I love doing this kind of thing. And, um, like I said, a couple, three times a year, maybe I'll do that. And it just really, uh, really makes for a good adventure. We spend a, like a weekend so like going I said, out, out there. in mountain flying. So some of us that are uh, really flatlands here. I mean, there are some hills here, 150 feet tall, uh, and you know we're not quite used to those mountains. Just from a, a safety standpoint, there's part of that adventure would be actually learning, I guess, on how to fly out. Because you know, for some of us who haven't flown in the mountains. How do you get used to that? So I'm assuming there's places you can go and uh, where you were that will actually give you some instruction in mountain flying. Well, th- absolutely. There are lots of places, of course, in Colorado that offer specific mountain flying training courses where you can fly out there, um, you know, spend the weekend out there with an instructor, a local instructor from Colorado, and you know they'll they'll fly to you know all the airports and talk about how to cross ridges and and passes and uh all about density altitude and performance and runway slopes and you know how to figure do you want to take off with a tailwind or take off uphill you know those those kind of of factors that that are that can be a very big challenge in in some airplanes and so um you know like i said i you know i've had that kind of training before so i'll take folks out there from oklahoma city and what we'll, we'll usually do is we'll head out and say, a, you know, early afternoon, you know, Friday, you know, head out about noon or one o'clock, head out to Colorado Springs, uh, land there, refuel, take a break, maybe do a little local flight, you know, like around the back of Pikes Peak, up through Woodland Park and such, kind of an introduction to it. But by then, after we get done that, it's, it's getting late and we're kind of tired. So we'll, we'll get up the next morning and, uh, and go hit, you know, you know, all the airports that we kind of got on, a, on our itinerary there. And, you know, really, really get into, you know, performance and, and yeah, you've got this 300 horsepower bonanza, but up here at, you know, 10,000 feet, it doesn't climb like it does down at sea level. So, uh, it's always eye opening, always, you know, oh, I think I can make it over that, that ridge and well, maybe you can't. (laughs) So, so we've never failed. We've gotten to see some of that kind of thing and, and then we'll fly back, but yeah, it's, it's really a great experience. Um, I love going out there, and, and everybody I've taken out there loves it too. Is there a time of year that's better to go out and do that mountain flying, or do you like to do it all year? Well, <laughs> every <laughs> unfortunately, every season has its has its risks. I mean, I guess the fall's probably probably the best overall, but I, I mean, in the in the summer, you really get to experience the high density altitude, certainly. Um, so you know that that can be. A very eye-opening. Um, in the winter, of course, you've got you know cold weather, very you know, low temperatures, and you always want to make sure you have proper survival equipment and gear and such. But um, so generally, I'll go out there and you know kind of the spring or, or the fall. Um, it, it just all depends, you know, of course, on, based on availability and such. So that's cool. As a matter of fact, there's lots of books you can learn about mountain flying, and uh, 
But I oh, again yeah. just recommend getting out there with an instructor and and flying and even driving in the mountains. I tell you, I uh, when I was in the high UNS and out in Utah, boy, that was so beautiful. But uh, you know, some of those places during certain seasons, you really don't want to go into uh, just because you can't get to them and there's they're incredibly remote and there's some challenges with weather. Uh, and those are the kind of things you learn from the local instructors, which is really good to do. But, uh, oh, it's it's great, and I mean, uh, you know, admittedly, I'm not I'm not doing the uh, you know landing on a gravel bar, you know, that kind of you know real backcountry flying. Yeah, we're landing at you know regular, normal, fairly decent sized size airports. Uh, there are people, of course, that that do exactly that kind of training, though. I mean, you go up and fly the backcountry of Idaho and such. Man, that'd be that'd be wonderful. One of these days, I, I hope to to do one of those courses where you're in some tailwheel airplane, just flying around all these little bush strips and such but um maybe someday yeah it's very popular now but uh, i'm sure your friend that loans you the bonanza won't let you do that <laughs> with the bonanza <laughs> <Maybe> <laughs> well I, that was a really cool adventure and i, I love hearing about those type of things and love colorado love that t- part of the country uh the mountains are just absolutely beautiful um but uh i think victoria we didn't hear from you as far as uh one of your flying or some of your flying i've heard from your flying adventures before but you have i think one that that really kind of i i think is totally cool so maybe you could share that uh, adventure with us well it's i can't say it's like a super adventure because i do it all the time but when you introduce new people to flying and do this it feels like I mean, it's new to them and, you know, every different season, it feels different to me when flying it. And um, that's just going up the river, the uh, Potomac and Shenandoah in Harper's Ferry. Um, They meet and go around the the town, the historic town of Harper's Ferry. And there's a beautiful ridgeline from um, Maryland Heights. And you can often see like hikers up there. And so you know, 6.30 in the morning before anyone else is flying, when the sun is rising, going low and slow over this river is my favorite thing to do and my favorite way to introduce people to flight who have never been um, in a small airplane before. So that's something I do on the regular, but it seems to be a bit more special than, you know, just floating around and, you know, doing the $100 hamburger is always a lot of fun. But when you get some beautiful scenery, people just stop talking and enjoy looking out the window. Boy, you hit the nail on the head. Just sit there and look out the window and enjoy life. I think that's a, that's one of the coolest things. We, you know, we talk about all these cool things about aviation, but I think that's one of the most appealing things is the things that we get to see that nobody else gets to see in this, this perspective. And, and sharing that with somebody maybe will inspire them to go flying again. Um, so, and I love the pictures, by the way, you have of some of those river runs. Uh, oh my goodness. Like half of my photos on Instagram are from those mornings. It's just too beautiful not to, uh, not to take photos of and share with the world. Yeah. It's a tough way to start your day, have your coffee, jump in the plane and go fly up the river. Uh, oh, I'm so like grumpy and tired when I'm pulling up to the airport. I'm like, why am I doing this? But the second I land and we're on the ground, putting the plane away, I am like pumped. <laughs> <laughs> I could imagine, and uh, and you get to go and fly some really cool airplanes. I know some tail draggers, et cetera, and uh, uh, can't wait to see some of the more of those. Some more of those. You were just saying you haven't flown much in the in this year, but we're going to hopefully see more of that. Um, most of these times you go up, Victoria. Are they do you usually fly by yourself, or do you take people along with you? 
You know, I, I don't go solo very often, um, to be honest. I, I like to have that extra pair of eyes. And frankly, I, I kind of get bored when I'm just on my own. I, I'm big into community. You always ask my favorite part of air shows, and I always say it's the people. And really having someone else with me, whether they're another pilot or a friend that I'm taking for a flight, um, that's my favorite part is just sharing that experience with someone. You know, interestingly, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, I haven't flown solo, gosh, in about seven or eight years and uh, in an airplane. And it's kind of, I kind of want to go up and that's one of the next adventures I'm going to have. Just go up and fly around, see what I like about it or what I don't like. But I think the the coolest thing is when you're interacting, like when I was flying with Tom and Bill and uh, just interacting and, and looking at, hey, look at this and um, and one of the things that I'm kind of famous for at the airline that I fly for, and uh, people kind of joke about it, is I'm, I'm a bit of a tour guide when we fly over certain areas, especially in the New Jersey area, because I was very much in the New Jersey uh, Revolutionary War history. And I'll we'll fly over Washington's Crossing, and I'll show them, you know, Princeton University and uh, the Princeton Airport, and go over, you know, the Kittatinny Mountain Range and the Watchung Mountain Ranges and show them where Ed Thomas Edison was and all these these really cool places and, you know, fly over, you know, Trump's, uh, what is it, the, uh, the uh, golf course that he has there on the way in and just pointing out all these things because that's where I grew up. And I find that is such a blast. And, and what's really cool is people are receptive to it because – a lot of times when you're flying for the airlines, you're, you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. It's so neat to have someone point things out to you. Like when we're flying by the, the USS New Jersey, and that's right there over Philadelphia, and pointing that out to them and the history there. Uh, some of those things that about flying... It's the ability to look at those things that are on the ground and have some history behind it. And I absolutely love to do like tours in airplanes. And I used to do a lot of them uh, back when I was flight instructing around the Tampa Bay and give them, you know, a little piece of history on the way around. So that's that's something else that we should try to do when we're up there with somebody who's new is kind of get their mind off things if they're kind of new to flying and talk about the the beauty of the flight but also the amazing history that's on the ground and uh, and your history too and talk a little bit about that but as far as flying though i do i think i prefer definitely be with someone else to to share that i will say though every so often it is nice to just sit there quietly and and really you know Look inside yourself and look outside the at the the beauty around you and just not mention anything, no words, just watch the world go by and the beauty that's there and right in front of us through nature. I think that that's really really cool. So I guess you know the the real question is, you know, what's your next flying adventure? If uh, you know you're listening right now and you're thinking, gosh, you know, this is kind of cool. Those are some cool things. What what could I do next? What what will be my next flying adventure? And that's why we want to kind of inspire by our stories. Uh, there's so many of them out there, and there's so many that I want to like. I want to go up to Cross City. I haven't been to Cross City in maybe you know 20 years almost now, and I know somebody has a house close to Cross City that I can go visit. And uh, I'm very excited about that and visiting there again. And and the little things, you know, try to discover. Like, for instance, I don't – Ocala, Florida. I used to fly there a lot to go have uh, lunch at the airport. I don't even know if the airport restaurant's open anymore. That's another challenge. That's something else I need to find out. So what is your next flying adventure?
industry. You know, what are you going to do next? Where are you going to go? Don't just get that rating and then stop. I know that's the hardest thing when you get your ratings. Now what do I do? After you've taken everybody flying, et cetera, now you have to figure something out. And it doesn't have to be, you know, 100 miles away. It can just be 15, 20 miles away. But figure out what your next adventure will be. You know, the there was a... A gentleman who actually started Sun and Fun here, and just about every day he used to go up and just watch the sunset in his little airplane, and that was really inspiring to me to hear that story because that it, flying is whatever we want it to be, and his was the fact that he loved to watch that the sun go down. So, uh, and I think uh, we all have those little things in our life that we have to look and reflect on. So anyway, I challenge you to go figure out your next flying adventure and let us know about it. Uh, StuckMyCavCast at gmail.com. Our picks of the week. My pick of the week actually is uh, a book by uh, Mike Bush on engines. It's what every aircraft owner needs to know about the design, operation, condition, monitoring, maintenance, and troubleshooting of piston aircraft engines. I learned a lot about engines, especially now that I'm operating an engine again, a piston aircraft engine again, and some of the things that I was doing right, some of the things I was doing wrong, and uh, some of the things that uh, I have been doing better uh, now that I'm flying an engine. It's made me kind of learn certain things from an owner's perspective. When you own an aircraft and you fly an aircraft that you operate um, and you're not renting, you treat an airplane much different than if you're renting. But I challenge you to try to read this book, even if you're a renter, read this book and try to treat the airplane just as if it's your own. Um, and I, you know, I was out, like I said, I was in the hangar for like two hours today. I didn't even go flying, but was cleaning and doing all sorts of stuff and, and, and putting labels on it. Those are the kind of things you do as an owner. Let's try to kind of look at that from the perspective of a renter because, you know, the you treat the airplane better, it'll treat you you better in return by maybe not uh, having any kind of mechanical issues. But Mike Bush, he's amazing. He uh, has some really good articles out there about maintenance. Uh, I've learned a lot from him. Uh, very, uh, he's very good at explaining different concepts that are you know a little more you know, sometimes complex about your engine and and maintenance and things that we all as operators could uh, do better. So I have a uh, link in here in the show notes to it's on Amazon on Kindle. You can also find the book the. And I have to look at this again, but some of his books, by the way, that are on Amazon are actually made in the mobile format, and some are not. What does that mean? Well, when you read the book, you're reading it like a PDF file, so you have to kind of zoom in and out. But what it's in the mobile format, it's a lot easier to read. And I think one of the last books I reviewed, it was in the mobile format. I don't think this one is. I'm pretty sure it's not. It's in the PDF format. So it does make it a little more difficult to read. Uh, I would rather see a new format come out, and I'm hoping he's going to do that. something I was actually going to write to him. And we may actually have him on the show in the future. So go check out that book uh, by Mike Bush on engines. Anyway, our next pick of the week comes up from uh, Tom. Tom Frick, what is your pick of the week? Yeah, so um, the latest release of ForeFlight has uh, something inside of it called 3D Review. And I was looking at this thing and playing with it the other day, and um, it's it's actually really cool. And um, it reminds me a lot of, you know, because I had third-party software where I would use this, and you can attach this to um, a flight plan. You can use it with track logs. You can use it in um, several different ways. Um, and that's the cool part about it is you can put it in with a flight plan and look at your flight plan in a 3D view on 3D maps 
you know, and, and you've got complete 360 degree rotational view. Um, so you can use it as part of a, a flight planning if um, you're so inclined to see what the terrain looks like before you even get to it. Um, you know, I just thought it was neat. It, it'd be pretty intuitive to go back and review flights, you know, you record track logs. Um, I do sometimes when I'm just normally flying, um, I think I have my breadcrumbs turned on all the time so that, you know, I can see where we were flying, but they disappear after like a couple hours, which was funny when Carl and I were flying, you know, it's like, you look at the, the breadcrumbs of where we were and it's like two little kids flying. It's like, Ooh, what's over here? Ooh, what's over there? Ooh, what's over here? <laughs> there were no straight lines when Carl and I were flying. So then, you know, I mean, I really wish this, this, um, actually came out after our, uh, shuttle landing facility flight. I think that would have been really cool to have a 3d view of, of the flight that we took over that and then up to the land and stuff like that. But as I was looking at this, I thought I'd make a nice pick of the week. I mean, it, it just came out in a release. Um, I'm not sure what level of four flight you have to have to make this active. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, definitely something that's paid for. But, um, you know, it, it, it's pretty cool. And if you have a chance to check it out and use it, try it out. It's, I think it's worth it. You know, Tom, I, I wonder, I did have a track log of it, and I have the 3D uh, review. Maybe maybe I can go back and do that for our flight. Uh, that's really cool. Uh, so 3D review, I, I think it's neat, too. I, I was actually using it the other day just to kind of review uh, flight going somewhere. It is neat that you can see everything on the way out there and see the terrain, et cetera, and kind of review the whole flight. Kind of sometimes how we practice an instrument flight and do the approaches on a simulator before you go. It's like a VFR flight simulator, so sure. that's pretty cool. And, and I was thinking even when Russ was talking about mountain flying, it's the same thing. You can you can uh, put a flight plan in through canyons and all sorts of other stuff and what kind of ridges you're going to come through, and that's kind of the example that I think um, 4Flight has in this video that's part of this link. You know, should, we, should be a, a, a pretty cool tool for people. Well, cool. Thanks for uh, showing that to us, and we'll have a link to it, and it's 4Flight. You can find out more about it in the 3D review video our next pick of the week uh, comes from victoria victoria what is your pick of the week my pick of the week as my last few have been are always something that helped me with my uh, cfi training last year um, a big helpful youtube channel was the finer points uh, specifically uh, just an example of one of the amazing videos he did was about um lazy eights and i remember when i became a commercial pilot like nine years ago was when I last did a lazy eight and I despised them and they took me so long to just understand and get them down practice after practice after practice. And they still weren't the best, but they were just passable. And, um, I watched this video three times, maybe even more than that the night before my next flight lesson where I knew we were going to do lazy eights when I hadn't done them in so long and I did it perfectly the first try. My instructor looked at me like, well, what the heck is going on here? This is something that people um, always screw up and have the most trouble with. But because of this video and how great he just demonstrated both inside and outside the aircraft, it was a game changer for me and my lazy eights. And then I was mad because I didn't even get to do it on the check ride. <laughs> 
but at least you do know how to use it and you know how to teach it, which is really important. So exactly. So that's uh, the finer points. It's a YouTube channel, right? I think yep. it, mm-hmm. it's called on the flight line. I think is uh, on the YouTube channel, right? Yes. So we'll definitely have that in the show notes and it is great to visualize it. That's a wonderful thing about YouTube. Oh my gosh. It's just, you can learn so much. Uh, so uh, helpful. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, I'm, I'm think it's one of the best things ever. YouTube. It's uh, almost as good as podcasts. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's something that I think a lot of people use to study uh, both uh, if they're going somewhere, you find somebody else who's flown to that airport, et cetera, or get a review of it. And you'd be surprised how many little uh, YouTube videos there are out there about the smallest thing that you could look for, like how to put uh, lenses on your aircraft or new lights on your aircraft, that type of thing. So anyway, thanks for that, that pick of the week. I'm glad it did help. That's awesome. Um, Bill, what is your pick of the week? Well, I'll keep with the theme of uh, multidimensional and visualizing. Um, and again, teaching is a 3D airspace um, file that you can put onto Google Earth. I've got the link in here. A fellow out of the UK put all these together. And you just simply download this. Pick. Uh, he's from the UK, but it's got airspace all over the world. So go over to the United States and download this um, Google Earth KMZ file. Just pop it open on your computer on Google Earth. And you can rotate all around and see in three dimensions the Class B and Class C airspace and all. Uh, very handy for, you know, uh, again, studying a new area, helping a student or a new person uh, learn airspace. You know, Carl and uh, Tom in, in our area, the Tampa class bravo you know they say the upside down wedding cake but the tampa class bravo looks like the wedding cake that um you know like one of those bridezillas has got to and <laughs> mashed it all up right uh it's it's not a nice, yeah it's not a nice neat wedding cake so it's really handy for uh, you know for a student or if you're new to the area to learn your airspace Cool. I'll have to go check that out. And uh, you yeah. mentioned the KMZ file. What is those files again? Uh, those, those say, um, uh, it's a zipped file that just opens right up in Google Earth. Awesome. So if you just download it, double click on it, it'll open up your Google Earth and away you go. Cool. Well, thanks for that. We'll have that in the show notes too. Uh, that's really, really cool. Uh, hey, Russ, what is your pick of the week this week? Okay, well, like Victoria, mine's actually a YouTube channel, and I, I don't think I've ever you know, <laughs> had a pick of the week be a YouTube channel before, so this is the first. Um, so the YouTube channel I, I like, and I've started watching the last few weeks, is called 7-4 Gear, and it's run by a guy named Kelsey, who's a 747 pilot, and he just does a real good job. I, I think the, t- the real the market is maybe not people who are as knowledgeable about aviation, but he answers a lot of questions. He discusses, you know, training and lifestyle and, you know, what is it like to fly a 747, which I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty amazed with. I think we all are. It's just, you know, that classic airplane. Um, he, he often is actually every episode I think I've seen, he's recording from the hotel room, wherever he is on that trip. And he'll usually show he like his view out the window of, you know, usually neighboring hotels or something, but, but that's kind of funny. Uh, one of my favorite, uh, series is he series is Tom, is that a word? I'm not sure. Um, anyway, one of my favorite things he does is, um, uh, these, you know, Hollywood versus realities where he, he'll analyze movies and you know, kind of show the movie along the side and say, Oh, wait, no, that's wrong. That airplane scene's wrong. This, whatever, whatever. It's highly entertaining. Uh, especially as a, as a pilot, as I go through it, I mean, you, you, I mean, die hard too, right? You know, just so many 
ridiculous aviation things where they take the ILS and put it, you know, beneath the ground and all that. And, you know, you'll be watching along and you'll be, you know, calling him out. No, he missed that. He missed that. Oh, he got that one. So it's, it's really a lot of fun. Uh, and actually, surprisingly, he'll also say, yeah, Hollywood got that pretty right. There is that secret compartment on the 747 where the terrorists were hiding or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, just just a lot of fun. I think he does a real good job, and especially when you realize he's recording from his hotel room. I don't know what this this guy must carry a whole bag full of you know cameras and that kind of stuff. But but again, so it's uh, it's seven four gear on YouTube, and of course the uh, link will be in the show notes. Awesome, Russ. That's uh, that's pretty cool. I gotta go check that out. Uh, the YouTube channels. I was waiting for a book, and you came up with a YouTube channel. I actually came up with a book. So, yeah, I know. Well, I didn't so need different. You Great, thanks. <laughs> but you know, I, again, going back to YouTube, there's just so many cool things out there and different perspectives. And some of these people do bring their gear with them wherever they go. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna try to start doing some more cockpit video. I'm trying to get my work to allow me to to attach something so I could do that. Not so sure that's gonna happen. I know when I have a jump seater, and they can do it, but. Uh, we're going to try to get some more of that out there. But, yeah, they, Russ and, and everybody out there that with their Picks of the Week, one of the things that I love is the fact with this Picks of the Week, we share our passion and, and some really cool products. Don't forget that actually our past Picks of the Week are all on the website, stuckmygavcast.com. You can find all those things. And don't don't forget also to visit the sponsor, Aviation Careers Podcast and the Scholarships Guide that, they, that we have out there. That's uh, been a great resource for people, not just folks that are looking for a career, but also you that want to get out there and fly. Love this whole topic of flying adventures and getting out there. And and I think it's great to reflect sometimes on the fun flying. I think we all need to keep doing it. And that's why we're, we're doing this podcast is to keep people involved. But, you know, what it, I want to inspire you to figure out what your next flying adventure is going to be. Maybe it's bringing up a friend. Maybe it's going out and going to the airport and just visiting the airport and going into a restaurant. Maybe it's taking a trip out to a restaurant airport that's that $100 hamburger that you've always wanted to go to, or just watching the sunset, sunrise, whatever it may be, whatever it is, think about what your next flying adventure is going to be, and then go do it. Well, folks, we'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Abcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production. Thank you.